did you see what happened with USC? One of their fighters was um, like positive for COVID, but they still carried on. But that's really bad. I would have stopped it straight away if I knew one of my fighters would have been positive for it. Yeah, but well, they're sharing a everything. hotel with AEW roster or something. Yeah, I, I, I've, I haven't heard anyone in AEW having positive. I know someone in WWE was positive as well. Yeah, that was like a cameraman or something, wasn't it? Yeah, but even still, it's one of those things. Generally, I've got to think about who he's been in contact with, who he's spoken to, and all this, all, all this other stuff as well. It's mental. It is. I'm surprised. I mean, there was there was talking about having um small like 25% capacity in arenas as well, wasn't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you'd have like one or two people that are family, then about two two or three chairs, then the next person, and having um, arenas kind of full like that. To me, that's still ridiculously high risk. Yeah, completely, man. I completely agree with you there. Because, but also as well, it's one of those things like, how do you know those people are going to sit where they've been told to? How do you know, are they going to have to take out all these different chairs? And how do you know as well, for example, a family, you don't know how big the family is. Do you limit of how many people combine a set amount of people as well? Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna... And also wrestling now, especially AEW, isn't really family orientated. It's fans based. So yes. as if, if I was going to AEW, I'd go with you. I wouldn't go with Sam or if I lived at mum and dad's mum and dad's you know it I don't know it I think what AEW have done using their talent as like the hills and the baby faces at ringside yes. is perfect I do as and well WWE missed the bloody boat with that one and also like the AEW when they started doing their shows they had the camera facing the, the ramp the aisles yeah where WWE used to have the camera facing like it usually does just empty seats and then after they saw what AW done, they changed their camera to face the ramp now. So there's a bit more colour and something for the something for the eye. Yeah. To the... But also as well, the fact that there's you don't hear any like cheering anything, it kind of takes away from it. But I do kind of like the fact that on SmackDown recently, when um, Michael Cole was like, Bailey hasn't got anything left in the tank or something like that. And then you hear Bailey go, yeah, I do. Cool. I'll show you what I've got. And it's that's kind of, well, in that situation, it's funny. But I do prefer it where there's actually people saying things and chanting and making reactions it kind of feels like it's there because it's cut but also as well it cuts out a lot of what makes wrestling really good the crowd well yeah it's all about audience isn't it yeah but also as well the whole situation with like wwe and everything else as well it's AEW to a lesser extent because they care more about the wrestlers and stuff but the whole thing about firing everyone the whole thing about paying money to florida so then they're seen as essential business and being a part of Donald Trump's like money, finance, like table and stuff. It's just, it's all fishy, you know. It's horrible. It's Vince McMahon is doing the worst thing by mixing politics with entertainment. Yeah. And it's all, it's all for gain. That's what I hate about it. And I can see why so many wrestlers, I mean, there's been so many people that have had their contracts terminated and I reckon half of them are really happy about it. You know, Zack Ryder, I'm sure he's happy. Yeah, did you see his interview with Chris Von Fleet? He was so happy that he gone because he had a feeling it was going to happen. He was like, and he was so glad that his major podcast he does about wrestling figures is owned by him and Kerr Hawkins because he's like, Sars, you can do it now. And especially yeah. the, the revival or now the revolt. Like, 
Yeah, and, and and having the contract terminated, none of them have the 30 or the sixty day non compete clause because that gets thrown away because the guys that made the contracts, WWE, if their contract states there's a sixty day clause, but you get released early before the contract, well that contract's officially terminated because as an employee you don't have to abide by it. So that sixty day clause you don't have to adhere to it. So they could go and work for AEW tomorrow. Yeah, they won't. Obviously, I think. I think the revival or whatever you want to call them, they're going to probably, I don't know. What do you think? But I think they're going to appear. Cause I remember listening to the Chris Von Vliet thing and he was, Zach Ryder was mentioning the 90 day thing, which I think is really weird considering they, as you said, but I think the, the revolt are going to appear at uh, money or nothing, double or nothing. Sorry. I reckon they're going to appear there. There might not be a crowd, but it will still be cool. Oh my God, the revolt are here kind of thing. It'd be cool. But I think, you know, you look at all the big memorable, like, things that have happened in pro wrestling, you know, like Jericho's debut, when Hardy's returned at Mania. If that didn't have the fans at the Hardy's reunion, when they come back at Mania in that um, Money in the Bank ladder match, that crowd is just absolutely... I've never seen a crowd like it. That was the biggest pop of the night. I mean, that's one of the best best pops I think I've ever seen, was the Hardy's returning. Yeah, if you didn't have the crowd there, it, it makes up for about 85 90 percent. I mean, look at the Fiends entrance, the crowds were just like indulged by it, and afterwards, all the lights come on, you got that holy shit, just going through yes. this PG arena. <laughs> it just they would take his entrance as well, like just that is as well. The crowd make it as well, and also, yeah. you have all the like better in the 90s, too, you have all the lights and everything going, and you see everyone like swaying and stuff, it just adds. Yeah. So much more to the presentation of wrestling too. Well, that's what I miss about like nineties wrestling and attitude era wrestling is like you know Austin's entrance when he climbs the second turnbuckle and does his sort of arms up in the air pose and used to get all the light bolts of the camera. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, you don't get that now because it's all recorded with mobile phones and everyone's taking videos. But don't you miss it when like the flashing lights <laughs> all in the crowd like the same big was happening like. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do all the time, man. And it's funny though, and also Mr. Signs too. I love the signs. Just seeing all these and be like, seeing all these, and he's everyone's got a sign. Like literally, yeah. late 90s, like literally, WF, everyone had a sign. Doesn't it's like the Active Era podcast, isn't it? They always do sign of the night. Yes. You know, like one of them was like, allow cockfighting. Why on earth would you take signs? <laughs> allow cockfighting. But it was just the Attitude Era, and it was part yeah, of it. it. Everyone it was takes brilliant. a sign. It was hilarious, man. I loved it so much. It was so funny. Mm. And also, some of the, and also as well, some of them are like so clever and so funny. You're like, oh my God, I didn't think of that chart. And then it, then it becomes a chart next week. Yeah. Just like Austin said, when he done his King of the Rings speech, he said the next night on Raw, you know, there were signs saying that's the bottom line and Austin 316. And they got a visual kind of like, um, like confirmation of the crowd it was over because as soon as you got all these signs saying Austin 316, they're like, that's a T-shirt. That's a T-shirt. We're going with it. We're going with it. The crowd have already caught onto that what you said from the pay-per-view you know um the power of the sign it's it's yeah you do get signs at raw and smackdown and AEW, not as many but you do it's not like the attitude era where it's just a, a, a sea of purple and white and red signs you know and yeah like, we used to draw like south park stuff and yes and saying like um steve austin's cartman's father and stuff because obviously at the time they were like who's cartman's dad do you remember yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cartman's yeah. on Slut. Great episode. Well, I mean, they incorporated South Park quite a lot. Do you remember the oddities? Yes. You, you know. know, Golda, that was Earthquake. 
earthquake from that. Yeah, he like, lost so much weight they couldn't have him as earthquake anymore. So it's like you're going to be this Cartman loving, and he, obviously he knew at the time it was like really popular and they made a lot of money. I was like, fuck it, I might as well. And then he, do you remember he was dancing around the Cartman toy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They could have called him Tremor. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, don't, don't want to go too much closer to WCW, you know. <laughs> do you remember yeah. Loch Ness being in WCW? Who? Loch Ness, who was a former um, giant haystacks. Oh, God, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been watching OSW again and watching all those and it's hilariously funny. I've got to catch up with some stuff, man. Since I've been at home, obviously I haven't been able to listen to podcasts on the road because I'm not on the road. And at home, the girlfriend fires me so much jobs to do, it's ridiculous. But um, I do miss listening to my podcasts and stuff. So for anyone who's still supporting us, thank you very much. You know, Definitely, man. But also as well, Richie, uh, if you get a chance to watch it, The Last Dance on Netflix is really good about oh, the since... Jordans in 97, 98, Michael Jordan. It's a really good documentary. Oh, OK. I'll check that out. A little MJ. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, it's because I know you like basketball and stuff. It's um, such an amazing show. You'll love it. And you and you and they have interviews with people like Barack Obama's been on it. Bill Clinton's been on it. They have a little bit of Kobe Bryant before he sadly passed away. Uh, they've got things with um, obviously the players themselves. And when you hear Michael Jordan talk, you can understand why he is so, in a sense, egotistical. Because if he was as good as he was, then you kind of would expect him to be like that, you know. But yeah. he proved it. And even seeing him in clips and stuff, um, you're like, oh, my God, this man's amazing. thing is, when you're that good, yeah, like you said, you need to have an ego. Yeah. You know, it's, it's I think anyone in sports, or even music, in some respects, some musicians are really arrogant, especially pop stars. Rock musicians, not so much. You look at Dave Grohl and you think to yourself, nah, he's still a dude. You know, yeah. you probably get someone like, uh, I don't know, some mega, whoever's hot at the moment. Like Bieber probably, or something. Yeah, like they'd be so, like, up their self. Yeah. But MJ, you know, he said, like, he, in his career, he he um, he missed more shots than what he made. And he kind of always said, unless you take the shot, you're never going to get a, you'll never know if you're no, not at all score. So I think that's quite a good, you know, it, it's all about taking chance, basically, and believing in yourself. Yeah. Hence why he's a role model. Yeah, definitely. And the fact as well, like at the time, Nike weren't that big and they were hoping to maybe sell four to five million of the new shoes that the Air Jordans and they sold 150 to 200 million. You know. Yeah, kind of done them all right there, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. And also, as well, he was one of those players that transcended the sport as well. Like I remember him through Space Jam and watching him as a kid. Yeah. And he's, you know, and then because he was the first one, first real, I guess, star to really do that because he started to become big around the same time as Hulk Hogan started to become big. And it's mm. amazing that you don't, that you kind of like be like, oh my God, he started back in 84, you know, because yeah. they go through each of the players as well, like the first, like they kind of go through the career of Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman and Michael Jordan. They talk about that. The only thing I wish they do is uh, talk about WCW. Now, now that'll be cool. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I wonder if they, they talk about Larry Bird. Uh, yeah, Larry, Larry Bird's been in it a few times. Yeah, because he obviously played against them, but it was more in his later years when, the balls were starting to become bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, because like Larry Bird, to be fair, there's a lot of um, comparisons between Jordan and Larry Bird. Larry Bird was kind of like the, the best basketball player to grace the court. And then Jordan obviously sort of showed up and kind of just got this massive momentum behind him as well. Yeah. Um, but Larry Bird, man, if you ever just want something to do, go on YouTube and look at his greatest moments, you know, top 10 moments of plays and stuff. Him and Jordan have got a lot in common. Um 
you know, statistically, LeBron James is meant to be better than Jordan. You know, you look at the cups and stuff he's won and the money he's made, the wins and lost victories and the, the, what he's worth as a player. LeBron James is actually worth more than Jordan ever was, even when you work out that like the, the, the rates have changed. But what defines Jordan is obviously, one, the night contract, but two, it's what he'd done for the sport. Yes. It's a bit like Hogan. He was never and will never be the best professional wrestler out there depending on what way you look at it. If you look at wrestling from a technical standpoint, no, he's not. But if you look at him from a, okay, who's a big draw that knows how to work a crowd, it's Hogan. He's the best at it. Yeah. He's the best at off the off the off off character, go on a TV show and promote WrestleMania, put him on a late, late show with whoever. You put Hulk Hogan, he was like the face of the thing, like Jordan was with basketball. Um, so, you know, risk comparisons there as well. Yeah. Definitely, man. Have you had a chance to watch Dark Side of the Ring? That's a really good show. Yeah, I watched the Benoit one. Um, what other ones have I seen? I need, to, I need to watch the Herb Abrams one. That's the only one I haven't seen yet. But I really like the Dr. Sh- uh, the D. Schultz one. And I thoroughly like the Brawl for All one as well. Not seen that one yet. Have you seen the Bruiser Brody one? Uh, no, not yet. No, I've heard very good things about the Bruiser Brody one. That's interesting about the murder. That's, that's definitely worth a watch. Have you seen the Dino Brother one? That one was really good. Yes, Cena Bravo. He was the guy. Did he ended up getting involved with um, drug lords? Uh, I wasn't sure whether they were drug lords, but it was definitely mafia. Mafia-based drug dealing, yeah. Yeah. Again, what a name you don't really hear of. He was like the, the poster boy, wasn't he? Yeah, in Quebec, the yeah, best. but then they never made him into a face in the WWF. I mean, looking back, I think it would have been quite a good face. I know he wasn't an amazing talker, but he had a good look, could wrestle. But that's the thing about the WWF at the time. Like, they didn't really wrestle. Like, if you look at Hogan, for example, if you look at him in New Japan, for example, the man is like... 10 times as good as he's in a wrestling. The man did an Enziguri in New Japan. And it's like, you would never see that in WWF, you know. Well, they wouldn't allow it, would they? They'd say, if no. a man do that, it's not believable. Yeah. You know? But also, it, was what I think his finisher in New Japan was way better, the Axe Bomber, than the leg drop was. I think yeah. even Hogan now thinks, shit, I should have done that more, because obviously he's had so many back surgeries because of the leg drop that he should have done the Axe Bomber. Yeah. What was the X bomber for our fans? It was a really big close. It was a big clothesline. So a bit like a um, Bradshaw kind of lariat kind of thing. Yeah. Stan Hansen. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he actually uh, he had a match with Stan Hansen in New Japan. Actually, it was pretty good. I'll have to check that out. That sounds fun. Yeah, and it's amazing that you just see Hulk Hogan doing this like all these different things, like triangle arm bars and stuff. There's another match he had, I think, in '93 against Muta or some. I can't remember if it was Muta or someone else. But you see him like twisting these people up, putting them into like um, these arm bars and inseguris and stuff. It's amazing just seeing the difference of him in American wrestling, and then you see him doing that. And it's it's like it's night and day. It's completely. It's just crazy. So it's a bit like going on something like. Smackdown one and making Hulk Hogan but giving him Dean Malenko's moveset. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, he does the point, the points, and the free punches and stuff. But it's just amazing just to see him do. Obviously, in Japan, they're expecting you, and he wrestled in Japan, so he knows how it works. And it's just mad. Same with like other wrestlers as well. When you see them go from WWE to uh, somewhere else, like John Moxley, how much he's become so different. He's become and stuff. Same with like mm. even NXT WWE. Just the difference of in-ring style and what they can can't do and can do is just mad. Mm-hmm. I think I think 
the modern wrestling, I think if guys are jumping to AEW, I think a stint in New Japan is really helping them develop. Yeah. You, you look at Moxley, he left obviously WWE and said they're going straight to AEW, went to Japan and then to G1. And for me, I was never, I didn't really know John Moxley before he was Dean Ambrose. I knew of him once he joined WWE as Dean Ambrose. And then I look back at his CCW stuff, and to me, it was just garbage wrestling. I weren't really a fan of um, deathmatch wrestling in that respect, backyard wrestling. Yeah, I love Japanese deathmatches, but this backyard stuff, I was CCW for me, is just a bit... The... When um, he went to New Japan and he kind of proved his, his weight there in the G1, that's what made me go, Christ, he's good and how much he was watered down in WWE with the lunatic fringe and the mask and all yeah. this bull, bull S, which he calls it. And then when he went to AEW and he turned up when we watched the pay-per-view live at your place, the first pay-per-view they did, it was just unbelievable. I was like, oh, God, this guy with such wasted potential and going to New Japan just finally tuned his style so he can be what he wants to be. And yeah. They- you know, and now he's gone to AEW and he's using the same style, the same finisher, the same aggression. And he, he's just got free creative right, basically. Just go out there and do what you want to do. I love it. I do as well, mate. I'll be, I'll be honest, it'll be inter- interesting to see who goes where with all of these releases. Because yeah. I think Rusev will probably go to New Japan AEW because so many people are high on him, which I think they should do because he's fantastic. Um, Zach Wright, I think, will go to AEW. Yeah, yeah. his friendship with um, Cody. But then again, I think he's someone who can get over again if he's given something else. Because he, he said in his interview with um, Chris Von Fleet that he said that he wished he went to Vince. He's like, what's going on? Like, but obviously, when you're young, you don't think like that. Now he's older, he would have done. But also, there's some other people like um, Gallows and Anderson. They'll probably go back to New Japan, I reckon. Oh, but it he's, done a, he's done an interview with... Uh, Tama Long, no, it's Tamatonga of uh, New Japan, and he was wearing his old Bullet Club T-shirt, and to me that just screams that he's coming back to the Bullet Club, even now, like Anderson. Yeah. And they had the best ever theme music, Gall- you know, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows. They had, you know, with that machine gun at the start, and the lights used to spin. Ah, oh, I'm looking forward to them returning. I am as well, man. I reckon they'll be used so much more better than they did in WWE. That's the reason why the revolt left, because they didn't care if they were champions or not. The fact that they just, I completely agree with them, like, tag teams weren't seen as anything. No. Uh, back in the 80s and in the 90s, the tag team were, I reckon, were seen as big as the world champion. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And what I don't like about the WWE, and it still really frustrates me, is the fact that you look at um, other companies like Ring of Honor, New Japan, AEW. They have one set of tag champions, a mid-card championship and a world title, a women's championship, possibly a cruiserweight um, or a lower mid-card like a European slash TNT, whatever you want to call it, United States championship. WWE, the fact that there's two tag team champions, two sets, SmackDown and a Raw, you know, you can't say we are the tag team champions because you're not. You, you're sharing that spotlight with another team. 
And yeah. I've never liked as soon as they put the splits in and you've got two world champions, two tags, two you know, I, I never liked that. I'd like a company to have one tag team champion, one world champion, mid card champ champion, and the rest the storyline based. Yeah, because I, I, with, with you saying that, Rich, I think the way you would like it is a bit like what they do with the women's tag team championship is they defend it on all the shows. Yes, I think they used to do. The, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I reckon that. I, I think they should do that again because it kind of takes away from the um, like the luster and the importance of these championships. Like, even though technically SmackDown's a bigger show now, the Universal Championship's on that show, but then is the Universal Championship bigger than the WWE title? But the WWE title's had the, well, the history and the tag teams because who would be technically a bigger tag team? Because is it the Raw tag team or the SmackDown tag team? But then it's kind of like they then have it for Survivor Series when both or now three brands wrestle against each other, then if someone loses the championship, does it mean they're a lesser tag team? It's just, I reckon what they, yeah. I reckon they should do what they did back in 2002 when it originally started, had the world champion on, goes on both shows, wrestles, a wrestler from each, each of the show, and then if he loses the championship, then he stays on that show he was originally part of, but then the cha- new champion then goes on both shows. Exactly. And also, if you're writing history books and you say, okay, so you had the Legion of Doom, the Heart Foundation, they were the tag team champions, blah, 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 blah. You get to the point where they split the tag team championships up. Where does that lineage go? Does it stop and you start again, which wrestling fans don't like because they like to have that history. I love that history. That's half the reason I'm a professional wrestling fan. I love historic stuff. You know, when you look back at like old WrestleManias and stuff from the 80s and 90s, when like a tag team was to win the championship, it meant something. But now we can watch a pay-per-view and the Usos go and win the SmackDown Championships then Revival win, go and win the War Championships and you think, well, who's we've got two sets of tag team champions. It just does not make sense. Yes. And then it's kind of like, which one follows the original World Championship as well? It's kind of World Tag Team Championship. It's kind of like, is it that tag team or that tag team? It, you know, doesn't really make I remember sense. when they first started doing this, I remember they had... Um, you had the WWE Tag Team Champions and you had the World Tag Team Champions. And when you went on the website, the World Tag Team Champions were the ones that held the lineage. Yes. And the WWE Tag Team Championship, which I believe was run by Kurt Angle and uh, Benoit. Yeah, that was definitely brought in, yes. And that was part of the SmackDown 6. Yeah. Yeah. See, that, that basically started from scratch, even though they called that the WWE Tag Team Championship. The, the lineage followed the World Tag Team Championships. It, to me, it's just a big clusterfuck of just. It, it to is, me, it's. Just, uh, I don't I mean, like I, it. I liked it when they did it from like 2014 to 16. They um, unified all the championships, and it was the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, the. WWE World Tag Team Champions, the Women's Champion, and this. And now it's with the since the Bronze Pits cart, it's it's too confusing sometimes because it's kind of like, but what title has this lineage, and this title has that, and this title has that, and it's kind of like, and they all look the same. It's the only difference is the different colours, so it doesn't mean they lose this and this, and it's kind of, uh, that's another thing as well. I'm missing nowadays wrestling is older days. It's the championships. One second, let me show you something really cool. I got this for my birthday last year. I know it's a smaller version of it, but I mean, just look at that bad boy. That's awesome. That and it is actually sick. clips as well. So if you do it like this, it actually like clips on and stuff. Oh, that's gorgeous. That is really nice. Where'd you get that from? Uh, the WWE Euro Shop. That's nice. Cheers, my man. Because uh, I'll be honest, I, I don't want to get a really big one. 
but for, if at least I go for a smaller one, at least I have a championship, but it's not so like golden or anything. You know, when you see people with big championships, you're like, oh my god, really? Like, at least it's just. <laughs> It's, it's a cool yeah. ornament, and I keep it in its bag because, you know, I want to keep it yeah. nice and safe. That's lovely. Cheers, my man. But you know what I mean? Like, I missed... But that's why I love New Japan, because all their championships in AEW, all their championships look really nice and really, like... And you, and you can feel, like, actually, that's a world championship. You know? I think the AEW championship looks great. Um, the IWGP heavyweight and the junior heavyweight, they just look the same, but they've obviously just a little bit smaller than the heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, the United States New Japan title's a little bit... I think it's still much, much, much better than the WWE. Like you said, generic, you know, like, shape with the W inside it. I mean, it just looks yeah. awful. Um, yeah, I mean, they, if they, I mean, the Intercontinental Championship's changed, and even that looks crap again. Yeah, yeah, because I like the older one when it would look like the original 80s, not early 90s one. That's the one that, funny enough, Cody Rhodes brought back. Yes. You know. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I, I really like the WWE UK Championship, though. That that looks that looks like a proper championship. It's yeah, not it's it a WWE. Yeah, and the North American Championship stands out in NXT. Yeah. That, that looks nice. Good. I mean, I prefer the new NXT championship to the older one because at least that way that looks more like a championship where it wasn't just a massive X with a weird yeah. N and a T next to it. Yeah, that was just gimmicky. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, to be fair, I've always preferred older wrestling like for um, their titles and stuff. I think like the, the one you've got, the wing, you know, the, the wings, eagles, gorgeous. That's my favourite. Um that and I, I I quite like the undisputed championship. I thought that was pretty cool. That's really uh, nice as well. The attitude era one, the round one, was never my favourite favourite. The one you've got is my favourite. Yeah, I, I, I like that one as well because that looked like a championship. It did look like a championship. I remember the day that they gave that you know Austin chain you know was the guy holding that title after was it after WrestleMania 14 and he yeah. came out and gave him the new championship. So in a way, Austin won. The new, the new style. But, um, that was like the attitude they were about, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Basically. And then they changed and made the weird sort of like oval-looking WWF IC Championship they had for years and years. That was, I liked it, but at the same time, I, I didn't like it. It was weird. I uh, preferred the squared boxy shape one, which, you know, the, the ladder match, uh, you know, um, yeah. Ray Ramon, Sean Michaels, I preferred that Intercontinental Championship. Another title I loved as well, the European Championship. Now, that was a lovely title. Yeah, I, I always liked the European. Yeah. Do you know, when I played WWE, the first thing I always do is go on title management. <laughs> and I'll, I'll get rid of Universal. I'll just vacate <laughs> that one. I always vacate the WWE, and I always put in the Winged, Angel, uh, Winged Eagle, Intercontinental, European, um, WWE Tag Team Championship, even though it's not the World Tag Team Championship, it's just the fact it's the old shape reminds me of the Heart Foundation era. Yeah. And I always put the Women's Championship and the Light Heavyweight and then my titles for Universe Mode and that's it. That's what mode. Because I noticed with the uh, Tag Team Championship, they never actually changed the design of it. The only real change they did of it was put the Scratch logo in, if you noticed. And they only changed it when they did, then they did the brand switch, which is actually quite interesting. Yeah, it's got a nice... It's got the rounded bottom... That yeah, top squares off. That, yeah, we should do a um, podcast on the tag team championship. I mean, it doesn't get tag teams don't get spoken about enough on this, 
you know, nah. on any podcast. So no, nah, no, at all, man. Unless you're talking about the whole pay per view, yeah, definitely, man. Um, when when we do it, would you want to look on it at, at all? Like our favorite tag teams, or just in general? Because I love yeah. the mission. Top five tag matches and top five tag teams, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, throughout any era, any company. Awesome. That that would be quite interesting, I think. Yeah, definitely, man. Because I've got a few of top or top of my head. I can't. I feel in a sense our number one match will probably be the same, but it'd be interesting to see what we decide and look at tag teams and that. But yeah. then again, yours might be something that happened recently maybe early this year was it the match or was it last year no it was it was earlier this year it was earlier this year yeah I know one you're thinking about yeah yeah the Meltzer six star match yes yeah that is a it's a classic it was an yeah. instant classic I mean I enjoyed that match but I was watching some stuff I've got the um, My Journey of Shawn Michaels and mm-hmm. it's a three disc box set I'll let you borrow it soon um, and there's a match between the Rockers and the Heart Foundation at Madison Square Garden. And it's nothing special. It is just a typical tag match. Um, so it's Brett and um, Nyhart versus, obviously, the Rockers. But it was just classic tag team. Like, they'd cut the ring off in half to the point where you'd get halfway across the ring. They'd just drag you to the corner, tag, tag team move, put them in the corner. And it was just a half-hour tag match. Nothing special. But it was just how tag team professional wrestling used to be. Yeah. I'd have to send you the match. It, it's yeah, definitely, man. It's, it's were, just they both faces, uh, were they both faces at the time, or was one a heel? Was it when the Heart Foundation were still heels, or was it later on? The, the, the Heart Foundation were the heel team, but they weren't a monster heel team. They were just um, the unlike team. They didn't do nothing particularly heelish, apart from uh, just okay. dominate, 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 dominate. That's all they've done. Was that when they were, when they were with Jimmy Hart as well then at the time? No, it was before Jimmy Hart. Oh, was it? Yeah, they're both in just bright pink. I'll send you the link. I'll try and find the match. Do you remember um, when I remember watching Bat WrestleMania two and seeing Bret Hart in blue? It was weird. Do you remember yeah. when Jimmy and Hart were both in blue? It was like no, he has to be. In Is that pink. when they did that gimmicky rumble thing? Yes, and only a giant one, and he threw Bret Hart at the end because they had like the NFL players there, and yeah. And he yeah. had in, in blue. It was just it had odd. blue on him. Was, yeah, it was odd. He, he's got to be in pink and black. Yeah, unless he was, he was in stampede. But yeah, yeah, because he looked so cool with the pink, and he made he made wearing pink and black look cool. He did. Yeah, I yeah. think like, all the hearts and all that kind of stuff made it all look just like amazing and just. That's what I loved about the hearts. Even when, I mean, when I've been joining the nation, he he went yellow and black just to fit the, the nation. But even when. I mean, it's one of our matches we'll be speaking about later on today. But even though he wasn't part of the Heart Foundation or that was even a thing, it still his attire still sort of said, "We are the Heart family. We come from the dungeon." Yes, you know, having the black little bit of you know essence of pink, and having like a little heart somewhere. Just ah, oh, love it. Yeah, tradition, tradition. Yes, but the one thing I love about it as well when Bret Hart, because I, I I didn't like the. Just a normal heart. I love the heart with the skull on it and the wings. Yeah. Well, did you know on 2K19, if you go to your um, edit WWE Superstar and you mm. go through the attires, they've got that whole attire for Brett as a second attire. That's really cool, man. Yeah, there's loads of them on there. They've got like um, 
they've got Stevie Richard. It's not Stevie Richards. They've got Stevie Ray and Booker T's like Harlem Heat um, attires. Oh yeah, with uh, the weird sort of like uh, circle. Column. Yeah, like the link yeah. thing. Um, there's loads on there. You've got the whole nation of domination. Each, you know, Papa Mustafa's on there, or Kama Mustafa, sorry. Um, D'Lo Browns for Rooks, you know, with like the um, black and white and the yes. green and red Jamaican flag kind of thing. Yeah, there's loads of it on WWE 2K19. How you getting on with 2K20 anyway? Are you still playing I, it? I, no, I haven't played it for ages, man. Um, I don't really want to play it anymore. I've recently, <laughs> uh, I just couldn't get into it. I just, I just, I, yeah, I tried playing it. I mean, I'm happy I bought it because it goes towards my collection, but I was just like, nah. But I, I, when it's over, I want to buy an N64, though, because obviously I've got No Mercy and stuff. I want to um, buy an N64 so I can play No Mercy properly again and stuff. Yeah, see, I use, um, I use an emulator for that. It's not the same, but it's very close. Um, I use a, a software called Project 64. It just downloads, it's completely free. Needs download the ROM and you've got your No Mercy and then you get a normal um, Xbox D you know control pad, yeah, which is white and then I play it with a HDMI cable on my big screen and it is just like playing the N64. You can even get the N64 control pad with a USB on it now. Yeah, I've seen that. It's so cool. Yeah, and you can just you could map it, go to button config and map it, and it'd be just like it. But I know what you mean. It'd be nice to play it through the proper Nintendo. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, it's really strange, is both WCW games, World Tour and Revenge, don't work properly. That's weird. Do, yeah, same to do with the colour scaling. They can't figure it out, but No Mercy works perfectly. Yeah. I, yeah. Honest, I really like Revenge as well. I thought Revenge was a great game. The only thing I wish it had was the rest of theme tunes, but the soundtrack was great as well. Yeah, like it didn't have the NWO theme or anything no. like that. But have you ever played... Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. No, not yet. No, I need to download that because I've got oh. an uh, emu like emulator, but I might try and see if it works for my MacBook Project 64 to give it a go. Give yeah, if you, Project 64 if it works on your MacBook, even if you can't get it working, just go on YouTube and watch people do reviews on Virtual Pro 2. It is honestly like even like when you set up an exhibition match before the match starts. I think I said on the last podcast, it, yeah, it actually the camera starts in the locker room. And as they come to the ring, you've got the typical Japanese, you know, and all the mute, you know, it's, it is brilliant. That's so cool, man. It is so, so, it's better than N64's No Mercy. The only problem is there's no English um, translated ROM, but yeah, everything's in Japanese. But I mean, it's still great. You've got the Tokyo Dome on there and yeah, it's pretty cool. That's so cool, man. Because um, I'm interested to see what AKI do for the AEW game. If if it plays at all like them, I'm like I'm gonna buy it day one. I don't care. Oh, I'll be buying it anyway. I mean, it's not they're not called Aki now, are they? They're called um, Pink Projects or something like that. It's the same company, but it's not Akai. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, if you Google it, you can follow them on Twitter. Yeah, well, um, I know the last game they did. I think would have been Def Jam Fight for New York, wasn't it? Their last game they did. Or something along those lines, or unless they made other games that I don't remember really. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I, I just remember them being massive for the Nintendo Akai games. Yeah, because um, I wasn't sure if you've seen it or not, but there's a company who are making a sequel to, in a sense, WrestleFest, and they yeah. they were doing right. it. 
yeah, all of the wrestlers would have been based on the YouTubers, but then they end up getting licenses and rights from the different wrestlers. So you got the Road Warriors and Zack Sabre Jr. and Colt Cabana and stuff. It's just so cool. Yeah, you got um, uh, Stevie Richards on there. Yeah. Um, uh, the Blue Meanie as well. Blue Meanie, yeah, basically the BWO. Um, I'm trying to think that who else that it, it, I followed it on um, on Facebook and stuff, and it, it's still uh, you can pre-order it now. Yeah, uh, the pre-orders are out, and you can have um, classic steel cage matches, tag matches. Um, oh yeah, and it's got an NWA license as well, so they've got the NWA studio matches. Um, oh, you've got um, Nick Olness on there. Yeah, man. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool, man. I can't wait. Should yeah. Game, definitely, man. Yeah, it'd be fun. We'll both get it and do a bit of online of it. Yeah, totally, man. And we could do like a Let's Play on it as well or something. We've got to record and just like do a Let's Play. The only thing with a Let's Play, I have to record it via the PS4 so I can do an hour at a time, but it's easy to do. Yeah. What we have to make sure you do is like sync it up where you go like one, two, three, and you go up and down on a menu so then you know where to start and stop, and it's really easy to do. So. Perfect. We'll do that when it comes down. Cool. Cool, yeah.